Welcome to Down There Aware. I'm Alex. And I'm Mary, Alex's mama. Each week we sit down to discuss various topics concerning gynecologic cancers and women's health care. In 2019, at the age of 32, I was diagnosed with uterine cancer and became painfully aware of just how unaware I was of everything down there. On this podcast, we interview experts, share personal stories, and explore new research. No subject is off limits, so we caution you to listen at your own discretion. Welcome back to Down There Aware. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> if you're listening to us in the morning. <laughs> what um, musical is that from? Singing in the Rain. Hello. <laughs> you didn't raise no chimp. Chump. What's the phrase? I don't even know. Oh, well, welcome back to another episode. We are happy you're here with us. And um, we love to bring you some new information as it comes our way. Yeah, sometimes I think about us as being like a little news station <laughs> that we have we have our our own audience and you know maybe they don't watch the news we watch and so we share some things and I subscribe to some cancer blogs and you know so they have all kinds of information and um yeah so sometimes I think we're little little newscasters <laughs> but uh, today you know, October, we've talked about um, how October can get pink washed and um, and we certainly support our breast cancer sisters because nobody should have to deal with cancer um, no matter what kind it is. Um, but we've talked about the good and the bad of the advertising of breast cancer and such. But we thought that we um, would take this opportunity in October, Breast Cancer Awareness Month, to talk about genetic testing, specifically as it relates to breast cancer because of what uh, this month is all about. Yeah, we both have had some experiences with genetic testing. I, I remember when I was first diagnosed with um, HCM, the heart condition we both have, uh, my doctor immediately said, you know, have you considered genetic testing? And I said, no. And he said, well, you know, I think maybe you ought to go ahead with that. And honestly, he just couldn't convince me um, why it was necessary. I, I just... That kind of blows my mind because mom <laughs> is like the biggest supporter and uh, proponent of genetic testing well, now. I, I am now because I have seen what um, how information is important and, you know, knowledge is power and... And, uh, but at that time, I think one thing I was really dealing with the, uh, initial diagnosis and it, it didn't make sense to me how knowing what the mutated gene was would, um, help in any way. And I, I quickly, after doing some research, realized, um, that it does help. And in our, our case with the heart condition, um, there is a specific mutated gene that runs rampant in our family. And a lot of times with this condition, you don't even know you have it until you have a sudden death experience. And you can die from that or you can... Um, you can die from a sudden death experience? <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was wrong. You, you can... You die from a sudden death experience, yes. but sometimes you are revived. Yes. That's what, that's what I meant to say. 
And, um, and you don't know that you even have this condition. And that's a scary thing. So my getting tested, I've been able then, uh, once the gene was identified, to um, talk to family members, immediate and extended family, and uh, see if they wouldn't get tested as well. So that's been a good thing. And a particular lab now does HCM testing for free. So really no reason not to do it. But today, because of October being uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month, we want to talk about genetic testing as it relates to breast cancer. I saw an interview um, done with a freelance journalist, Susan Berger, who um, talked about a gene mutation that really isn't as well known as BRCA1 and BRCA2, which we all probably have um, heard about. In fact, when I underwent my genetic testing for my heart condition, the only way the geneticist could get my insurance to approve of the genetic testing for HCM was to go through my family history and find the breast cancer and the ovarian cancer in my family and have me tested for BRCA1 and BRCA2. And once you justify testing for something, then it opens the back door to test for everything. Now, let's just stop and pause for a minute. Absolutely. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, you're, you've been diagnosed with this heinous condition, a genetic condition that we knew was hereditary. Doctors already had discovered that HCM was hereditary and you had two children at the time. I mean, you still only have two children, (laughs) (laughs) but you had had us. You were at the age where you had had us. You had two children and you had siblings who all, I mean, like, and extended family. And we know now through our family genetic testing that so many of us have it. I mean, if you look at a family tree and mom has made one where there's color coded of who has it and who doesn't, there are more of us that have it than don't. Yes. Yes. And it is crazy. That was back in, um, oh goodness, maybe 2013. And um, now, 2021, this lab is doing free HCM testing. So just think of the difference in that number of years. I don't know what happened to change it. Maybe um, a light was shed on, uh, was shown on HCM. But um, yeah, they could not get my insurance company and don't even get me started on insurance companies. That's a whole series. Whole series. Um, But the insurance company wouldn't pay for it unless she went about it this way. Um, So thank you to her for knowing and dealing with it. Uh, But anyway, she did the uh, BRCA gene testing um, for me. And never did I hear anything about the gene mutation PALB2. Um, I I heard in this interview that um, probably around 2013 is when they first started. No, it was 2014. Excuse me. They first started even testing for PALB2. So, you know, I, I came about too early for that. Well, so did this Susan Berger. She was uh, diagnosed with breast cancer 
and she thought that um, everything was okay after she endured a lumpectomy, chemotherapy, radiation, and lots of hormone therapy for years with tamoxifen. She had had genetic testing in 2009, and BRCA1 and 2 came back negative. So she really felt like after her treatment, everything was okay. However, her oldest daughter, she has three daughters, was going through fertility treatment and, um, you know, was having a lot of genetic testing done as well. And this testing came back that she tested positive for PALB2. Well, this freelance journalist who her main job was health um, reporting, she'd never heard of PALB2. And she got to thinking, if my if I haven't heard of it, and this is what I do for a living, I'm guessing a lot of women have never heard of PALB2. And um, the risk of testing positive for that gene mutation um, presents to you for uh, increased risk of breast cancer. In fact, there's a 58% higher risk of breast cancer if you test positive, if you have a family history. But there's still a 33% higher risk, even with no family history. So seems really important to know if you test positive for PALB2. It also increases a person's risk for ovarian and pancreatic cancers. So certainly a very important diagnostic test. Um, but like I said, doctors didn't start testing for PALB2 gene mutation until 2014. And that was five years after Susan Berger had been tested and um, came back negative for BRCA. So we've heard about BRCA1 and 2. We've now heard about PALB2. Um, and did you know there are 11 genes that can predispose, predispose women to breast cancer? Yes, I didn't, I didn't know that till I did this research, but I do know that now. 11. 11. Now Jeez. they say PALB2 is the third most important to BRCA1 and it 2. It is, yeah. BRCA1 and 2 pose the, um, they have the highest risk um, of, you know, getting breast cancer. And so that's certainly important. But also there's um, one that is relatively moderate in risk, but it's called CHECK2. Um, and so people are coming back with CHECK2, um, you know, having, being positive for that. And it, really affecting their lives. There was a woman who tested positive for check two, spoke with her doctor, her doctor, um, you know, encouraged her to get a double mastectomy. And so she did. And her mastectomy pathology report came back with her two positive cancer cells in it. Wow. And, you know, but no sign of any other cancer, any, you know, no sign previous to the genetic testing, but you know, during her mastectomy, that's what they found. So genetic testing can really be, the forefront of finding cancers. Well, Susan Berger went ahead and got the test for um, PALB2 and tested positive. Now that's after testing negative for BRCA1 and 2. She has three daughters. Two of her three daughters also tested positive. So Berger went ahead and had her ovaries and fallopian tubes uh, removed and has a plan for a prophylactic double mastectomy. Um, th those obviously are very personal decisions. But if you have the information you need to make them, you're going to make an informed decision. And we know now BRCA1 and 2 
testing is not enough. No, certainly not enough. And, you know, it's interesting. um, When I went through my genetic testing after, um, you know, getting uterine cancer so young, they said, there's got to be a genetic component. There has to be, mm-hmm. a, you know, a genetic reason why. And so they were really looking for Lynch syndrome, um, which is a, a gene mutation that uh, predisposes you to uterine cancer, ovarian cancer, colon cancer, all kinds of cancers in your gut and lower region. Those down there. Those down places. there cancers. And... I think it was one of my first oncology appointments, if not the first oncology appointment. They said, go upstairs. We have a lab. We're going to send the box up and place the order and we'll get it out to you, whatever. And um, I, I was like, well, that's easy enough. I don't have to go anywhere else. I don't have to make another appointment. I can just go upstairs and get my blood drawn. Perfect. So the results came back and I was going through all, I mean, there were, hundreds of things that they had tested me for and I couldn't find Lynch syndrome (laughs) on the list and I kept looking and then I googled you know maybe it has a maybe that's a common name and there's a scientific or a technical name and I looked that up and I found it still wasn't listed and I called the doctor's office and now the irony of this is just glaring but um it came back that there are two sides of this company that does genetic testing. One side is cancer prevention, which is the side that I should have been on or cancer awareness. And the other side was, um, fertility where parents would get a range of diseases tested, um, before they got pregnant. And that's the one that they sent my blood to. So me as someone who had just found out that I was maybe had just had my hysterectomy that I was never going to have a genetic child of my own had I had a glowing report that I had no genetic things to pass down to my Ugh. children. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Um, so, you know, fortunately our family doesn't carry the BRCA gene or um, check two or palby two or anything like that. But yeah, you know, genetic testing ha- it has come a long way, but it, I feel like it still has a long way to go. I agree. Um, but I think it is incumbent upon us to stay on top of it. So we know what our risks are. And we can continue to inform ourselves, educate ourselves. You know, men who test positive for check two mutation are more likely to get prostate cancer. Um, my guess is a whole lot of men don't do that kind of genetic testing. Um, so it's important to get that word out to um, ask your doctor about it. I know since I had my testing before it was routine to include PALB2 and CHECK2 testing, I'm going to go back to my doctor and um, ask about that. It's really important to, you know, stay on top of things because science and medicine is continually changing and growing and learning new things and making new discoveries. Um, You know, like mom has been tested for BRCA and 1 and 2, and we know we don't have that. But, you know, she, she hasn't been tested for PALB2, so we need to, you know, have, be tested for that. And in addition to routine mammograms and gynecologic visits and everything like that. Um, and, you know, should everyone get genetically tested for everything? Maybe we'll get there at some point where you're born, your blood goes off and it runs a panel. And, you know, you know from the time you're an infant of what, could happen to you and what you know you need to be aware of 
it sounds like a science fiction movie, but <laughs> well, you know, my mother, we only know she had HCM because of what, um, she had a sudden death experience. Um, otherwise we wouldn't know. Well, you, we would know for sure because I have it and Alex has it. And, um, so it doesn't skip a generation except I've never had the genetic testing. No, no, but you have the symptoms right. and you, you know, you've been diagnosed with it, but my mother did not want to know. She, um, we tried talking with her about it. And at that time, HCM wasn't really talked about like it is now. And um, they used to call it IHSS, idiopathic hypertrophic subaortic stenosis. And I had heard IHSS kind of tossed around uh, between my mother and her siblings and my grandmother, um, just, you know, as a child when I'd walk through the room or something. Um but it was never the kind of diagnosis that HCM is now, which is what it's referred to now, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. So my mom really, she just didn't, she didn't want to know. She didn't have some burning desire to understand what was going on with her. I don't know what that kind of mother is like. <laughs> <laughs> I, maybe I got it doubly because my mama didn't have it. Yeah, I have I really have no no idea what that's like to have someone who, you know, is just nonchalant, takes the doctor at their word. And I'm really grateful for it because, you know, look at what has happened in our lifetimes. Well, and which came first, you know? Yeah. My kids with mm -hmm. all the crazy medical issues, and that's what why I became who I am. So it's really Will's fault. <laughs> he started all well, of this. Well, it started, but then his kind of ended and then we're you. not going to go there. We're not going to go there. But, <laughs> but anyway, talking about genetic testing is, is it for everybody? Um, I do think it's a very personal decision. I'm the kind and of person and Alex is as well that, you know, the more we know, the more we feel, um, empowered and, um, we want to understand what's going on with our bodies. So, Yes, I want to know if I have Palby 2 or Check 2. Um, that's available to me now. It wasn't then, and I'm grateful it's available now. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get that checked out. I think some people might be hesitant to get genetic testing because of the fear of, well, if it's positive, then I have, have to make choices. Yeah. Then I have to do something about it or just sit with the knowledge and stew, you know, myself away. But, um, you know, because a lot of women who get tested and are tested positive for BRCA1 and 2 or PALB2 or CHECK2 go on to have double mastectomies. And a lot of women find that as a difficult um decision to make you know it changes and alters your body and I saw a t-shirt of a woman who had had double mastectomy and reconstructive surgery that said yes they're fake my real ones tried to kill me <laughs> I love that t-shirt <laughs> yeah um but you know the Susan Berger is a perfect example of someone who had the normal typical BRCA1 and 2 testing tested negative uh went through all the treatment to um take care of her breast cancer. And then when she found out about the Palby 2 had that testing and tested positive. Um, so in her case, she saw it as an opportunity to keep from getting um, cancer in her other organs that 
were susceptible because of the PALB2 mutation. And I don't know if there's any real science on this, but I know um, from just being in the Peach page on Facebook, there are several women on that page who have gone through both a gynecologic cancer and a breast cancer, not metastasized, but that they just happened around the same time, a second cancer. And they, um, I just can't even imagine. In the news. Today's In the News is from USA Today, and it was published this week. Um, Henrietta Lacks cells led to medical breakthroughs despite her lack of consent. Now her family is suing a pharmaceutical company. And if you aren't familiar, Henrietta Lack um, was a black woman whose cells were taken from her without her consent during an exam um, in the 1950s. And these cells were used, um, they had a special property to them. They didn't die the way that normal cells did. And so um, this doctor took them and used them in all kinds of testing. They even named them uh, HeLa cells, H-E-L-A cells. and they still exist. They, you know, they're hmm. still using them in research and things like that. But there is a pharmaceutical company um, uh, who has been prof- profiting off hmm. of her. And so her family is saying, well, you took them without her consent. She never signed over her rights. We deserve some kind of compensation. Um, and so, you know, it's interesting. Her cells have actually um, made advancements in several fields, including vaccine development, cancer treatments, and AIDS research. And, wow. and, you know, it's, um, it's really unfortunate the way, and of course it's the 1950s. So very different world that we were living in. I wasn't living, but you know, <laughs> that, <laughs> that was existing at the time. Um, and the idea of consent and medical consent, I was not understood as it is today. And I think that, um, it's difficult to look at history through a modern lens um, you know, I'm not saying right or wrong, whether her family is just in, in their pursuits, but, um, where would we be if that had not been, if those cells had not been taken or, you know, w- with all of those advancements in science and medicine. And so, um, it's just one of those things where there's no right or wrong way to think about it, but it is, a it's an interesting thing. And so just, I mean, 70 years later, mm. um, there's still issues going on with her cells. It does kind of help explain the consent process when you have any kind of medical procedure, pages and pages of uh, documents you have to sign. And um, the doctors are required to give you all the ifs, ands and buts of what might happen. And so you think back from the 1950s to now and all of the time something has happened to cause those documents to expand. Um, you know, we, we live in a litigious society and doctors just want to and have to be careful and patients need to be protected. So you're right. It's hard to call uh, right or wrong either way. Um, But it's easy to see how those documents have become so extensive and laborious because of the year. Every year that goes by, there's probably another paragraph or two added. Well, definitely. And, you know, I listen to a lot of true crime. And I can't tell you when listening to things that happened in the 1800s or the early 1900s, um, cadavers 
were often used in a variety of ways. And, you know, if body parts showed up in a river or something, people didn't automatically go to a crime. They went to medical students playing a joke, Mm. which is crazy. But think about someone consenting for their body to be used for science and for medical science and um, probably didn't get the signature that they could throw their their arms and legs into the river. (laughs) But, um, you know, it was just something that popped up on my newsfeed and I've heard and read about Henrietta Lacks um, and her, she was being treated for cancer when her cells were um, taken and she sh- died shortly after from her cancer. Um, but it's just been a story that has fascinated me. And when this popped up, I, I knew we had to share it on. In the news. We hope you learned a little bit about genetic testing like we did this week, um, particularly particularly in regard to um, breast cancer and breast cancer awareness. Um, You know, the best way if you are concerned about a specific gene in your family or you're just curious, um, but it's for a medical purpose, it's probably best to go through your doctor and talk to them about um, the best way of going about it, the labs that they use and, and getting an appointment through them. There are other ways that there are commercial companies that do genetic testing um, in addition to like hereditary familial um, ancestry kind of stuff. Um, And they will give you some answers, but they won't dig down deeply into it. So, you know, if you are concerned or you do have some curiosity, it's best to go through your doctor or through a specialist um, in the medical community. Yeah. And the doctor can answer any questions you have, um, which is a big difference from in-house testing. Exactly. Because a lot of the commercial testing that you get, they send you the results in your email and that's it. There's no real explanation. You can't really ask questions. And so if you go ahead and do that with your doctor, you can go over the results with them, talk about what risks might be higher or lower because of your certain genes and things like that. So genetics is complex. It's so fast. I mean, we didn't map, we didn't map the entire human genome until, I don't know, five years ago. I mean, like nuts that it's taken this long, but it's so, so complex. So, um, definitely, uh, get that through your doctor. Thanks so much for listening today. We are so happy to bring you new episodes every week talking about issues in gynecologic cancers and women's health. If you liked this episode, go on to whatever platform you're listening to, write us a review and give us a starred rating. You know, all of those ratings, it it stinks. It takes a couple minutes of your time and whatever, but it really helps us get the word out and it works into that algorithm that nobody understands. Um, but we know that it helps us. So the more ratings and reviews we have, will definitely help us get the word out. You can find all of the links to information that we talked about today on our website and in our show notes. Um, That is www.downthereaware.com or wherever you're listening, you can find show notes on the platform. You can also find us on social media. We are down there aware anywhere you are on social media. If it's working today, or tomorrow. <laughs> We're not sure. Dun, dun, dun. It went out last Monday and I was like, did our episode even get launched? But hopefully you listened to last week's. If not, go back. We're always there uh, for you to, to listen to. Thanks for listening. Shh.